Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. This week, we're going to hone in on one that is, I would say, every church has this congregation. They have a Sunday morning worship event, so to speak, or Saturday night or whatever time uh, they do worship. But most churches have this. How does this tie into the discipleship pathway and how can we uh, help churches see this as part of the pathway? Yeah, well, let me just say, this is the the centerpiece of the discipleship process or the disciple-making process. But here's what you have to remember. This is not the only piece. And for so many years, as I was pastoring other churches, I used to major on the preaching event, and that was uh, everything I focused on, and there was the crescendo of the week, and it was important. Obviously, we worship the Lord as a family. We praise the Lord. We hear the Word of God. But I want you to begin to think about this being one step on a pathway, not the end of the pathway. Because for some of you listening, you know, the preaching event, it's like, let's get people in the service, let's get people saved and let them figure it out from here on out. But for Jesus, what's interesting on that uh, process we talked about last week, Jesus spoke to the crowds on very few occasions. In fact, think about this, 90% of Jesus's time, this is staggering, 90% of Jesus's time in the Gospels is devoted to a smaller group of either 12 or or three. Okay. Think about this. Nine-tenths of Jesus's time, he restricted to 12 men, and out of the 12, he had three, James, John, and, 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 and Peter. And so here's the question. How much time do you devote to a smaller group of people investing in people to go deep so that they can grow wide? Now, I'm not saying we, we, we neglect the preaching event. In fact, I'm saying we double down on the preaching event as a process to spiritual growth. So let's talk about preaching. Uh, I, I love to talk about preaching. I, I love to preach, uh, was discipled by some really neat preachers, Jim Shaddix, uh, discipled me and David Platt and Tony Marita. Uh, I've learned from David and Tony Marita, and so I love to preach. Um, like like a lot of you who are Wasn't listening, that one of the? Didn't you get a degree in preaching? I've got a few degrees in preaching. A few degrees in preaching. <laughs> got a few degrees. You love preaching so much. As a matter of fact, you wrote a book on it. I wrote a book. I recently wrote <laughs> preaching a book for the rest of us. I recently wrote and a book. One of the reasons I love this book is because it's short. <laughs> Most preaching books are like, you know, a giant dictionary. That's kind of like what Tim LaFleur says. You know, Tim LaFleur says he's never heard a bad short sermon. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, that, that may not be true. But well, I, it, it could be true for Jesus. Because <laughs> when Jesus true. got up in His Luke 4. were not... The, the Sermon on the Mount, 15 minutes from 15 start minutes to finish. 15 Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' Sermon in Nazareth, Luke chapter 4. I've been arguing for this for quite oh some my time. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me get back to preaching. Okay, here, here, here's, here's what I believe. I believe the most effective way, an efficient way to communicate the Word of God. Remember, as a preacher of the Word, and I'm an expository preacher, uh, you, you, you could say an exegetical or a text-driven preaching. So I'm going to let the text do the work and in the life of the people, and I'm going to stand on the text, and I'm going to let the text speak. And so here's the definition, just to kind of quote the book. Here's the definition. Uh, I wrote the book with a, with a pastor and former professor at Southwestern by Stephen the name of Smith. Stephen Smith, amazing pastor, amazing teacher of the word. And uh, here, here's our definition. The theme of the sermon, okay, or the theme of the text 
is what's going to drive the sermon. So we try to allow the substance, structure, and spirit of the sermon mm-hmm. to match the substance, structure, and spirit of the text. Okay? So you're not saying, hey, let's do a four-week series under this really cool topic because people are really thinking about this topic right now. Well, I, we could we could do a topic that's relevant, okay. but we're letting the text drive. Like, for example, right now I'm preaching through relationships, a, a series called No Place Like Home. Right. Okay. Relationships of one, we're talking about you need to be spirit filled uh, in yeah. relationships. Second sermon was on the w- role of wives in the marriage. Another sermon will be on the role of husbands in the marriage. And another role will be the children, uh, so, you know, obeying the, the parents. That you're but here's the text, Chris, you ready? We're going to start in Ephesians 5.15. Right. And we're going to walk through Ephesians. That's what I noticed that as, a, as obviously I'm attending and listening to your sermons. I feel like we've got a topical sermon, which we uh, topical series, which we do not, but we kind of do. Like yeah. we're we're walking through, looking at the home, and at the same time, you're you're still walking through the text, allowing the text to drive. It's it's awesome to see those two things come together, and really how they encourage each other and strengthen each other. Yeah. And here's a misnomer. I had a guy email me a while back, and he said, "Hey, when are we gonna when are you gonna preach expository sermons?" <laughs> I said, well, I thought I was pre-expository sermon. He said, because I'm used to just going through books of the Bible. Now, mm-hmm. it's easier to preach expository messages through books of the Bible, but that's not what an expository sermon is. It's easier. I get that because sure. you're, you don't have to parachute in and kind of figure out where you are. You just kind of walk through. But right. an expository sermon, a true expository sermon is when you let the text, the theme of your sermon match the theme of the text. Okay. So right. here's a couple of things we need to understand. When you preach an expository message, you need to find out what the central theme of the text is, okay? So one key point of hermeneutics, which is this, the study of, of Scripture uh, and in the application of Scripture is this. A text cannot mean something today right. differently. You can't apply the text differently today than it was applied back then. Okay, that's called the hermeneutical bridge. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to win this basketball game tonight. Well, John Jones has that on his chest as an MMA fighter. but Hey, and in all reality, he has won. Now, he's, he's been the best. Won. Okay, now he now, has been the best. <laughs> Maybe you need a tattoo like that. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I want no. to remain tattoo no. free. Yeah, that, that text is not talking about being strong in all things and accomplishing whatever you want for yourself. Paul is talking about that in the context of dependence upon the Lord. Right. Uh, I've learned how to be uh, satisfied Content. in plenty and need. That's right. Yeah. And so, contentment. Contentment, exactly. So, you need to find the central idea of the text. And what I like to call it is the aim of the text, the okay. author's intended meaning. You know, okay? I love acronyms. You like acronyms. That's a good okay? one. So, you find the author's intended meaning of the text text and then you take that and bridge it to today so a couple things i'll give you some practical ways to really help your preaching move people through a process okay Okay. number one is this and i used to say i'll never do this why am i doing this i do what's called a proposition okay okay so what i do is i take the central theme of the text the author's intended meaning and i bridge it to today Okay, so let's take uh, let's take for example uh, Sunday sermon. Okay, this Sunday sermon preached on wives. Very easy text. Wives submit to your husbands. If you if you want to listen to that message, by the way, go to longhollow.com, Click messages. I'll be honest. I thought it was the best presentation of that text in in a way that uh, everyone you know the truth is the truth. But the presentation, I felt like, you know, I'm looking at my wife repeatedly to make sure. 
I was looking at mine too, actually. But I thought it was an amazing uh, walk through the text simply because uh, it opened my eyes a new, you know, we've looked at we've heard that, we've looked at it. Obviously, there are many who kind of look at that a different way and, and probably a negative way. And yeah. obviously the way the world looks at it. But I thought it was awesome how we walked through that in a positive way, but also more importantly, a biblical way. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I appreciate that. But okay, so here, here's what Paul's doing there. In the context of that text, Paul is showing a picture of the gospel and how a woman submits to her husband as to the Lord. Okay, so that's what he's saying. He's saying as women submit to their husbands, they're giving a picture of the gospel as to the Lord. Now, that's the central theme of that text, right? Okay. But that doesn't have any bearing on our life today. So here's what here's what the proposition would say, and you say this up front, you would say, my goal today in our message, the aim of the sermon today would be to show you a biblical picture of marriage. As women submit to their husbands, they're actually giving a picture to the lost world of our relationship with Christ. Hmm. Okay, so that's the motivation for listening. They probably say, why, why, why do you put that proposition up front? It's the same reason, Chris, when you and I go on a long trip, and you get in the passenger seat, and uh, I say, hey, we're going on a trip. The first question you ask is what? Where are we going? Where are we going? <laughs> and I say to you, man, just buckle up. I'll let you know when we get there. I mean, that's the last I might thing. get out of the vehicle. Listen, <laughs> your kids don't even do that. When my kids right, get right. in the car for vacation, guess what they're asking? Uh, where are we going to eat? No, that's, no that's, what my kids that's what my kids ask. My, I want to go to the gas station. That's yeah. all I want to do is go to the gas station. You know, then we can we get snacks, load up on airheads and gummy bears. Yes. Okay. But here's the thing. We don't like to drive in a car aimlessly without knowing the destination. Brother right. Pastor, listen, some of your messages are like that. You're just driving people along on a journey. They have no clue where you're taking them and they don't even know why. And here's what you got to remember. Your people are going to determine within the first five minutes if they're going to listen to you for the next 35 or 40. Mm. Okay. Hello. <laughs> okay. So, so what you want to do is, and that's another, and I don't have time to tell me, we can right. talk a whole series about sermons, but that's why I always start with an introduction. Uh, I, I wrote an article years ago called start your sermon with a bang or start your message with a bang or, or explosion. What you're trying to do is you're trying to gain people's attention for the next few minutes of the sermon. Got That's it. the first thing. Second thing you do is this, and here's just some practical ways to move people through a process. How are you as a teacher, preacher, life group leader, Sunday school teacher, how are you personally growing to be better at what you're doing? How are you honing and perfecting your craft? Mm -hmm. Okay. And most people, and I'd say most people have been the seminaries, most pastors. Yes. Once they finish seminary, Chris, sadly, they have never worked on their presentation. They have never been critiqued on their sermons. They have never put the study time into their. They've been critiqued via random email. Random email. They haven't been uh, beneficially critiqued maybe by someone who cares. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So we have here, and I built this system years ago uh, into our process. I learned this from a guy named John years ago. He started meeting with me. We put this feedback loop into effect. And so here's what I would say. You need some kind of feedback loop in your life. Okay. What is a feedback loop? It is a group of trusted people who could speak into your message. They're listening every Sunday or every life group class or every uh, Sunday school class you're teaching. And then after that, either on Monday or Wednesday or the following week, they're giving you honest, constructive criticism. Okay, They're trying to help you. Yeah, they're trying to help you. Not tear it down, but give you help. They're trying to help you. Now, I have two feedback loops, okay? 
The first feedback loop is between services. Now, this is, you got to be okay with doing this because some people say, man, I don't want anybody critiquing my sermon in between sermons. Uh, But the reality for me is I want to shore it up. And yesterday's a perfect example. If you go listen to the eight o'clock sermon yesterday and you listen to the 11 uh, o'clock sermon, it is totally a different feel because we shored up some 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 illustrations. We changed some uh, application. We uh, we we made the transitions a little more seamless. And so it just became a tighter message. Right. And we put, we we kind of got rid of some so of So if the- you ever attend Long Hollow, the final service is going to be the best. Well, if you want the uncensored, you come to eight. <laughs> if you want, I know, each one has its own benefits. <laughs> yeah. If you want the raw, unedited <laughs> oh, yeah. sermon. The first sermon, uh, all bets are off. Okay, so a feedback loop. This is a way for you to grow as a preacher and teacher of the word of God. Right. Number two, pastors, teachers, leaders, you need to always be raising up someone who can do what you do. Mm-hmm. You, my child, have uh, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right. So it's not just teaching people the word, it's raising up disciples who could do the same. So uh, Dylan, obviously, pastoral assistant here on staff, uh, he has the privilege of traveling and being in meetings and, and, and being in sermon and prep and, and critique. And so he is learning from watching. Okay, so he is learning, he's preaching, he's got opportunities now. And so this is a wonderful example of how we're always, now you may not have a pastoral assistant, right. but there's somebody in your church or multiple people in your church sure. who you can raise up and empower. Okay? Nice. Uh, n- number n- n- number four, or three, wherever we are. Three. Three. I'm not kidding. The role <laughs> of preaching and discipleship. This is a big one. This is the connecting point because as part of the pathway, you know, we take a deep dive into the congregation, deep dive into preaching. But how does this connect the role of discipleship? What is that? Okay. What does that look like? It's twofold. You got to remind me to come back to these. The first one is this. You've got to call people to an action. Okay. Okay. Number two is you need to implement both a ground attack and an air attack. Okay. Mm -hmm. Successful military attack has both ground with the army or the Marines. Marines first, and then the Army comes in after to pick right. up the pieces. Spoken from a Marine. <laughs> I love the Army. Yeah, you like the Army. Okay. And then we have the Air Force. Okay? I know they get a bad rap, but thank God for them. Absolutely. Okay. So the Air Force... <laughs> They, they, they do a really good job. They do a really good They're job. They're awesome. Okay. Love so the Air Force... Force so you have an air attack and a ground attack. What do I mean? You need to have the air attack of preaching. You need to have the overarching platform time, whether it's announcements, you need to rethink your announcements, right. and you need to rethink your sermon series. Okay, So every year at Long Hollow, every year at Brainerd, when I pastor Brainerd, we would do a series every year on discipleship. And Chris, you've been here for three years. First year, we did a series called The Great Omission. That's right. Six weeks. Uh, two years ago, we did a series called um, Spiritual Disciplines. Okay? I remember that. Uh, this past year, we did a series call on growing up. I remember that. Sounds very, very familiar. Very familiar. Very familiar. <laughs> okay, actually, I think we did grow up two years ago, and we did the spiritual right. disposition. But but here's the reality: we we try to constantly keep this before mm-hmm. the people. Okay, the vision leaks. The mission leaks. People forget about it. They right. hear about it. So we're constantly raising the bar for discipleship. Our announcements. Here's the thing: we always start with the discipleship pathway. Right. 
every week, Chris. So I get up and say, hey, or if I'm doing announcements or, or, or Colin or whoever, hey, so glad you're here at Long Hollow. We want you to know that we are serious about your spiritual growth. We're not a church where we expect you, we want you to just come and sit. We want to empower you to go and serve and fulfill the unique gifts and talents God has given you. Right. How do we do that? We have a discipleship pathway. We want you to know God, find community, make disciples, change the world. It happens in a couple contexts. If you're coming to Long Hollow for worship, we're so thankful you guys are here, worshiping with your family. But that's the first step. Yes. We want to, watch this, we want to encourage you guys to take the next step on your spiritual journey. That's a life group. So if you're already in a life group, man, we're so excited. And you're meeting in your community, you're reaching your neighbors. So the next step for you is to get in a discipleship group. discipleship group or D group. And some of you may say, I'm already in a discipleship group. Man, we praise God for that. The next step for you is either to reproduce the group or to encourage you to serve in our church. Right. What's no, that's the summary statement. What step are you on? Take the next step. Right. Most church announcements don't do that. No, that's true. And, and I pastor those churches where we had a lot of, di- and I'm not saying you don't do other announcements, you right? Know, cookout, gathering, outreach. I'm not saying you don't do this. What I'm saying is, that is the first and the stapled announcement, or the staple announcement sure. of all of our announcements. Because here's what we want people to hear. We want people to hear, well, number one, this church is serious about my spiritual growth. Right. I'm not a number that they can count and send to a t- convention in order to get in a magazine. <laughs> e- easy. Easy. Okay, easy sorry, sorry, easy. sorry. <laughs> well, and I, what I love about that, too, and I had this discussion with someone at another church, our invitation or decision time or you know whatever you want to call that in your church does lend itself to that next step. Yeah. So we're saying, yes, if you want to receive Christ, if you want to be baptized, if you want to, you know, whatever it is that you want to surrender to ministry, those are those are options. But the next step is something we want you to think about. And that is something that can take place during that decision time. Well, okay. So we book in the pathway. Perfect, perfect thing. On the back end, we do the invite. I believe you should call your people to respond some way every single week. Okay. Every week after you preach the word of God, it always demands a response. Right. Okay. Sometimes the response is to come forward and pray. Sometimes the response is to uh, is to respond for prayer. Sometimes the response is to worship and song. I always give a res- a call to give your life to Christ and surrender right. your life to Christ. Now, I'm not saying you have to call them to come walk an aisle or sign a card or raise a hand, but here's what I'm saying: we always call people to respond, and the way we do it here is we found it easier at a next steps area. Sure. So we have a room that's off the side of our worship center. Some of you may have a room in the hallway. I've done that before. Some of you may have a, just the back corner of your worship center, yeah. just a next steps area. And what you say, and here's what I say. I say, listen, and, and now why we do this? Because in most churches, you say, hey, if you'd like to respond to the message, come meet me here at the front. So here comes Joe Brown and Susie Crawford. Okay. They come to the front, they sign a card and they say, Hey, we want to be members. We say, great with, you have one, we have one song and one stanza to figure out if you're going to approve them as members of your church through the song. And when they hand you the, now watch this, I know this never happened to you, but I've heard of it happen. The person gives the pastor the card. The pastor gets up and sit and looks at that moment in a split second and realizes you have two people, different last names, living at the same address. Right. <laughs> and he's about to introduce us. Here are the Crawford <laughs> slash Jones family living on the same street in the same house. Let's give all in favor of approving them. Let's say I, I, all opposed. 
That's the challenge. You can, there's no way you can help people wrestle through salvation decisions or membership decisions or baptism decisions with a stanza of a song. So here's right. what we do. We send them to the next steps area. So I'll say, hey, at the end of the service, so thankful you're here. The next step for you may be follow through at baptism to maybe give your life and surrender to Christ. It might be to be in a life group, D group. We want to sure. help you. I'd love to see you personally. Yeah. That's the air attack. We'll finish with the ground attack and we're done. Yes. The ground attack is a series of training events throughout the year to get people off the bench in the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have to have these things. They're like they're like booster shots in the arm for the growth of your kids when they're going to school growing up. It, it, it's that shot in the arm. Uh, we have different trainings. One is life group training. One is what right. does a D group look like. Next week we'll talk about D groups. Uh, one is the DNA of a disciple. One is what does a model D group look like. It's a lot of stuff to talk about, but I will say this. We're going to share all of this, Chris, at our Discipleship Blueprint that's right. and our Spark Conference that's coming up in September. September Tell them about the Spark Conference for those who yeah, don't know. Spark is a global conference, and by that I mean we're, we're, we're going wide with this. So we have got, we've got keynote speakers, Ravi Zacharias, we've got James McDonald, we've got Robbie Gallaty, Johnny Hunt, Eric Geiger coming in to talk about discipleship from some in some different contexts, you know, yeah. obviously as they preach through that. And then we have breakouts, labs, if you will, um, that will kind of take it and drill it a little bit deeper. Members of our team, some other guests, we've got Trevin Wax, we've got Brad Lominick, we've got Ben Trueblood and others who will help with that. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to help introduce your team or your people, this is for anyone in your church. Bring your whole church. To yeah, bring your excited church. excited to spark a focus on disciple making. This is the conference. And then the pre-conference, um, which is the 26th and 20th is that uh, discipleship blueprint. And it's at that discipleship blueprint, it's, it's it's the opposite of the Spark Conference. So, so at Spark Conference, we have numerous speakers, a global focus. Um, at, at the blueprint, we're helping you with practical information on how, as a staff member or leader in your church, implement disciple making nuts and bolts start to finish. There's no sermons. There's no worship. There's no bells and whistles. This is how you can practically implement it. And uh, we found that to be very effective. Uh, people who go to that love it every time and, and say, man, you've really packed a lot into this. So it's a two-pronged assault there with our conferences as well. But you can check that out, spark18.org, spark18.org, if you want more information. You know, it's funny because the conference is actually an air attack and a ground attack. That's it. So, so the <laughs> conference is like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're actually doing, look, we're doing what we're saying. So the, the, the conference is going to be like the manual. This is how you do it. Right. But the blueprint is going to be, we're going to show you how to work on a car. Right. So you can go back and fix your car or implement this into your church when you go. So I really encourage you. Every person who's come to the conference has left either the spark coverage or the Absolutely. blueprint and said, uh, I'm excited. I'm ready to do this. And I know, here's the key. I know what to do, when to do, and how to do it. Look forward to seeing you there. Can't wait to meet you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.